tune in, tone up. Your one-stop shop for guitar tricks, tips, techniques and advice. With me, Gary Shilliday, and my own excellent teacher, Dan Davis. Hey everybody, this is Gary from Brighton in the UK, and you're listening to the Tune In Tone Up podcast for people who love to learn about the guitar and want to become better players. Coming up, we've got a great follow-up episode on our last few lessons in which we look at some great ideas and ways to break out of the pentatonic box. Before we get stuck into the show proper though, we have a really exciting announcement which we count as a fantastic validation and endorsement of what we do. This episode, and all our episodes from now until Christmas, are going to be sponsored by the brilliant Truefire. Truefire is an online guitar lessons platform with over 50,000 lessons. Loads of techniques, loads of genres, and it's got some of the best players delivering courses. Teachers like Andy Timmons, Andy Woods, Tommy Emmanuel, Robin Ford, Ariel Posen, and the list of players goes on and on and on. There are also loads of jamming tracks and in the jams, where you have complete control over a jamming track and can join in in whatever part you want with great players who've produced an amazing track. If you click the link in the description or on our website, you will get 14 days free trial. And this is without payment information to sign up. Truefire are so confident in their product that they think you'll want to sign up after 14 days. And if that doesn't make you want to give it a shot, I'm not sure what will. There's nothing to lose. Only knowledge to gain. So click the link in the description and thank you to Truefire for sponsoring our podcast. That's right. <laughs> so shall we have a little look at our playing remit? Pace. Yeah, playing definitely. at pace. So a lot of players really struggle to get up to pace. Yeah. And I think if I'm if I'm brutally honest, I think sometimes people use the fact that maybe they can't get up to pace as a little bit of a crutch. There's a little bit of, uh, like, oh, I only like slow, bluesy guitar. Yeah, I've which heard is that. a bit of an excuse for I can't play anything <laughs> faster, but boy, would I love to. There's a place for all kinds of guitar playing in this world. Of course there is, of course. And melody sticks, and that's a really cool thing. You, know, you always want to try and keep it melodic as best you can. But there's also... A time where maybe the limitations of your speed are not just a limitation of your speed in terms of like, well, maybe I can't use yet play things that are quite that crazy, as actually there's stuff I want to play and I can't play it. Mm. How frustrating. Yeah. So is there anything that you would like to be able to play faster that um, you cannot play faster? Let's talk about like bluesy licks. I mean, okay. That's... Okay, so let's look at a couple of different things that we can try before we even go into the licks. Mm. One, picks. Yeah. How many different kinds of picks do you own? How many different kind of picks do you try? It's worth trying different picks. I'm not saying that they necessarily make your other hand move any faster, but sometimes how comfortably a pick escapes the string you're on and allows you to glide effortlessly to the next one 
is quite a big deal. Yeah. And if you get a really skinny pick, I know there are some very quick players who use really skinny picks. I think the general consensus is that if the pick doesn't keep up with you, in other words, you know, you are playing notes faster than the, the pick's tip can kind of flex back into position. Yeah. You're always going to be on the back foot a little bit. Yeah, I can see that totally, yeah. Or, or maybe not even... Makes in, perfect sense. Yeah, maybe even to the point where it makes one a little inaccurate. Try different sizes. Show you four picks that I really like and why I like them. Okay, cool. For years and years, I used one of these, a yeah. Jazz 3. Okay. Generally come in red and black. Red ones are louder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How much are they, those ones? These are fairly cheap and cheerful. Good, good. They're the usual Jim Dunlop run. This is actually the Eric Johnson shape. So I think you used to get six picks for about seven quid or something. They're about a millimetre, I think, in thickness. And the Eric Johnson's a slightly different shape from the newer Jazz 3s. If you're used to thicker picks, you may find it feels a little skinny in the hand. But it does flow nicely. So even over faster phrases. That quite pointed pick end, the, the tip, makes it flow through the strings quite nicely. You yeah. may find, if you've been used to a regular pick, but I've talked to so many guitarists who've never really gone down this road, what do you use? A Fender Medium. If yeah. you're used to those fairly standard picks, but you may find that a Jazz 3 is quite a departure because it's got a small footprint. Yeah. It's relatively cheap it's got to quite buy. It's a good grip on it, hasn't it? Though? It has. Jim Dunlop also offer an awesome amount of test packs where you have, have a number of different kinds of picks in one pack. They do a Jazz 3, which is a maximum grip version. They do a prime tone version. I've got a few of those which are coming on order. I'm still waiting, which are made of like a fiberglass and they're very, very, they're a bit thicker at 1.4 mils and they're very, very long lasting. Right. Very okay. good plectrum. So these I quite like. Yep. If I was stuck on a desert island and it was my last pick, I wouldn't be gutted. The other picks which I used for a very long time is as you've got there, which is the, the big jazzer. Red Bear Pick. Yeah, they're great. Now, there was a little kind of flourish a few years ago. I don't think it's totally gone away. I'm sure you can still buy them. But there are companies like... There's a company, I think, called Blue Chip. Yep. J&B. They were very expensive, weren't they? Oh, they were. horrendous. And Red Bear. And they started out life as about 25 quid or something for a pick, which is outrageous as it stands, but ended up about 35 quid a pick. Yeah. So, ouch, expensive. They're sort of hand-finished. They're bigger than a Jazz 3, but a Jazz 3 kind of profile. And you can choose your bevel. Now, this is quite important to playing a little bit quicker. If you see that you're picking so that maybe your pick is angled at about 45 degrees to the string, so in other words, your thumb, instead of pointing your thumb down the end of the neck towards the headstock, your thumb is pointing more towards your left foot if you're sitting yeah. playing on a strap then you're probably looking at that bevel to the right. Yeah. 
The nice thing with these is they give you a bit more to grip onto. And they last a very long time. I mean, yeah. that's they sound great too. Mine's pretty old. The bevels change slightly on, on it. They do. You can reprofile them using a nail file or something. A <laughs> grinder. Which, which, uh, <laughs> egg grinder. <laughs> you grind absolutely everything in its path. If you... But I'm assuming that the way that it wears is actually your picking style a bit anyway. So it's just... It, almost improves the bevel in some ways but i suppose so. i mean it, it's a very slow decay isn't it yeah so there's a cheap and expensive option here's another expensive option uh which i sort of fallen in love with all over again really i've got a jazz i've got a red bear version of a jazz three all oh, right so similar to the pick you just had. similar to the jazz three but thicker at 1.6 mils it's the heavy mm. version but again, it's quite unobtrusive. So some players have problems building up pace or the pick getting in the way because the tip's just pointing out far too far from the bottom of their fingers. You only really want a couple of mils hanging out at the bottom of your fingers. And the Jazz 3 sees to that because it's such a small footprint. <laughs> So that one I'm rather I'm rather liking right now. A pick which I have been using for a long time. Uh, this is the value option, isn't it? I like this these. is this is the value option. Not yeah. quite as good value as your Eric Johnson Jazz Three, but it's uh, it's still a winner. Yeah. This was a pick that John Petrucci developed with Jim Dunlop. He went to see a bunch of guys playing gypsy jazz. Yeah. And then approached Jim Dunlop and said. Could we do a pick that's kind of like that? Now, now John Petrucci has had a variety of different picks made by Jim Dunlop, I believe. Yeah. But this one, what got me into it, it was a mate of mine who I played in, the, in a band who plays guitar too, had stumbled across this. Now, if you take... They're smooth, aren't they, really? These They are I smooth. I really like these as well. Now, I've got, a, as well. I've got a couple of interesting stories here. If you take a Red Bear Big Jazzer yep. and you put it behind the John Petrucci flow pick, you will notice the footprint is really similar. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And the thickness is not dissimilar either. Yeah, they are. Do you know what I did to mine? Look, I've got the Red Bear there. It's got like six holes in a kind of circle with a you hole in the middle. through your Ernie Ball. <laughs> I've drilled through the uh, John Petrucci. Yeah. Fair play. Just for the grip, because that was one thing that was yeah, annoying wanted, me wanted, about, wanted about a bit, it. Wanted a bit more grip. Yeah. I mean, with these, they're about mm, seven quid or so if you shop around for three. Yeah. But they're two mils thick. They last really well. They sound great. They feel great. A really good pick for yeah. doing all kinds of things. The jazz picks are great for staying out of the way. Yeah. And these are great, I think, as an all-rounder. But it's worth having picks of different thicknesses if you're recording acoustic. A lot of people say use a thinner pick. Yeah. You'll cut down on, on sort of noise and that kind of thing. It's worth having a, a selection and seeing what works for you and what works I've, best of I've all. I've got those shark fin ones as well. Have you ever used those? They could be quite good. I have... When I was much younger, I, I did 
I did get involved got, in those. Uh, I got a load of Dunlop. Some are thin, some are thick. That's a thin one. Well, that is thin, isn't it? Yeah. But, well, there's different thicknesses anyway in the ones that I bought, and they weren't very expensive. I mean, let so. me explain to you how sensitive we are or can be as players to something as simple as a pick. Take a guy's amp and change it. Take a guy's guitar and change it. Put him on a different string gauge. He'll cope. Give him a different pick. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're pretty. They're pretty big, and that one's quite thick. Yeah, they've got very rounded tip. See, for speed playing, the rounded tip might not might give you a softer tone. Yeah. But it probably won't slice through the strings quite as efficiently. No, that's right. So you yeah. you might save that for maybe acoustic playing or when you want a sort of a different facet tone or something like that. Yeah. Okay. I had a really interesting thing happen to me once. I've been using these flow picks for a few years now. And I went and ordered some flow picks from a shop. And they didn't send me the John Petrucci like I'd ordered. They sent me the Andy James ones. Mm. So he also has a flow pick. And it's slightly bigger than the John Petrucci one. The John Petrucci, if you look at it, it still looks kind of like the profile of a jazz pick slightly. Yeah. Not like an ordinary pick. The, the Andy James one was a little bit wider. Now, we're talking a tiny amount. Yeah. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to try one. Yeah. I won't rub any of the stuff off or anything, but I'm going to try one. If it's nice, I'll shut my mouth and hold on to them. If it's not for me, I will chuck it back. And that small amount of a bigger footprint, I couldn't get on with it. I didn't like it. Right, okay. And I had to get a shop to change it. Yeah. Ah, there you go. Mad, isn't there it? So let's look at some top tips. Okay. For yeah. pentatonic blastage. One of the best things you can do, I think, to start with, is maybe try and get some sequencing going on in your playing. Yeah, we've talked Every, about that. We yeah. have. Everybody does it. Joe Bonamassa does it. Eric Johnson does it. Gary Moore did it. They all have some kind of sequencing. And it goes back to that thing about improvising, not necessarily being just improvising, but being things that you've collected along the way. And this is one thing you can collect along the way. Yeah. It's some nice, cool sequences. Helps with the flow, doesn't it? I it does. Yeah. And you can do it in a lot of different ways. So let's take the fours pattern. <laughs> So this we do in the key of A, we're plucking the first note, pulling off the second, plucking the third note, pulling off the fourth. And then that's on the eight and five on the top of two strings. That's pattern one. Pattern two, we start on the fifth fret of the top string. Yep. We pluck that, then we pluck the eight on the B and pull off to the five. Then play the seventh on the G. Proceed down like that on every pair of strings. it as well yeah. 
thing. I mean, this is number one key thing with most fast licks is yeah. you want to be making that finger move from string to string. Yeah. It breeds more effective muting and more precise fretting and the ability to hammer down, which kind of helps your picking hand. If you can do legato like this... Hammering on with your first finger. I always remember that. I've never quite got that That's down. Yeah, yeah. When you go to pick something like that... It's going to help the picking hand out. Great. It's like an extra pair of hands assisting in a way. You know, you're, you're not just kind of dragging your fingers across the strings, hoping that the picking will pick it up. Yeah. And it's the same thing here. Yeah. So we can reverse it. Now, once we learn that, we're so used to learning patterns in our left hand, mm. this time, that's presuming you are right-handed, mm. when you're learning them in your right hand, that requires learning as well. And this is where people sometimes are very sloppy. This hand is pretty good for most people because they're using it all the time. But the picking hand can be incredibly sloppy unless you tidy it up. Right, okay. But once you've got that, remember you've got a pattern that works, not just as in a scale pattern. You've got a picking pattern that works. Yes. Now you've got two kind of picking patterns that work because you can go up one string. Uh, like yeah, that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Now that could form your lick. Playing so, the top two frets on the pentatonic in each position. Yeah, top two yeah. strings. And they're just moving it through onto the same strings, just go up. So eight five eight five ten eight ten eight. Yeah. And you have choices. You could either do literally like a down and up. Or up and down rather. Or you could drag the pick over. So all, all up straight. Or you could use your other pan. Oh, yeah. Now, if you drag your pick across for that one, it works super good. Yeah. Yeah. But now you want to start on the five. What if you connect the two together, though? Okay. So that would be a good exercise with this as it stands. What if you connect the two? Like that. So you're going eight, five, eight, five, five, eight, five. Yeah. Five, eight, five, seven. Not much of a flow there at the moment. Yeah. Now, what you could do is use these as connecting well, things. All good things so far, yeah. Indeed. So you could use these to connect yourself. Yep. Pattern one, pattern another. Yeah. 
I've done is do the fours, but go start at the high pentatonic, so A, but up on the 17th. <laughs> And work all the way down to the fifth fret on the bottom string. Then, yeah, and then start moving down. So you can move down like that, or you can move like to go down with the two string method. Or you could do over three. And make it a little bit longer. Yeah, nice. And then go up. Well, it follows on from what we've been doing before so well. It's covering the patterns. That's right. it. Brilliant. Now, if you start to look at some of the Eric Johnson stuff, which this crosses over with, he will then sometimes use straight pentatonic. <laughs> And going down, he will not only angle his pick, so that 45 degrees that we were talking about, to the string, but also roll his hand a little bit so the point is facing more towards you. And he'll, so that's what we call a downward pick slant. Yeah. And then when he's going up, he uses the same thing. But he'll use two downstrokes often from so yeah. instead of going from the A, go from there and come straight and you come back up. And that's coming straight up. So I've got a slightly different route to you. I've gone ah. starting on the 17. So you, yeah, so going back up, you actually that's where you finish coming down. But you start on the 20. Ah, right. And you go across. One here. So get the classic Johnson sixes where you're going down three strings, oh, yeah, down three that. strings, <laughs> like that. Like that thing is. Cue that upward pick slide again. Sort of the other thing you can do is, is kind of roll notes. This is kind of cool. So if you start, say, a four-note pattern in the middle of the pentatonic, five and seven, D and G. Start yeah. with an upstroke, then go down. So you go up, down, through, up. 
Goes against the grains and starts on that. Brilliant. Like so. Thanks very much. That's great. That's right. So I mean that can that can certainly speed you up. We can move on to threes, so we can group things differently. Threes. The thing out because it's more notes, then isn't there? Absolutely. Ah, I'm playing fours. Go back to the five. You always go back to the one. So you go. get the speed up you're probably going to need to use pull off to but you can use the picking as a, just an exercise for picking yeah. and the tonal variety that it offers as well exactly. so I mean with that one again wherever there's two notes per string it's fair game so running down the middle strings, running down the string yeah. backs. <laughs> That's brilliant. So you can rip through stuff like that without without too many problems. Great. Something that's else which can be very, very effective, which is very very Jude Bonamassery, Eric Johnson y. If to take, say, the top sort of three or four notes of a pentatonic. And kind of work your way up to it. So, okay, that's probably a bit of a flourish. So we're going to start on the D with the 12. We're going to push through onto the G string, Eric Johnson style, onto the ninth, and then it's nine. So 12, nine, 12. So we go 10, 13, 10, 12. We could do the B instead on the A string, giving us the added ninth. Get that nice little flourish going up the pentatonic patterns. So we're sort of, yeah, sort of going up like that. So you get a sort of a, a sort of a stagger of the patterns going up. And then more of a flourish coming down. 
that kind of thing. The other thing you can do often works very well. If you want four notes, because even numbers of notes work with the pick slanting idea, start with your root note and then pick a note which you can then have another note in between. So there we've got 17, 20, 19. Just so we double it up now. Mm. See what I mean? So you can then Great turn. Stuff. So just in the same way, it's quite easy to turn around with two notes on the top. With four, it's just as easy. Because you're landing the pick in the same place. You can even do that on that. So 15, 19, 17 as well. So I'm loving that groove there. Excellent. So I also use there the very cheeky little tumble of notes that he uses at the beginning of um, Clifton Dover. So by keeping the numbers even, I mean, that's a good thing you can do as well. I remember I was watching something very recently where Rick Beato was interviewing, what's his name? Kilo, I forget his second name. He's the guy who's just joined Megadeth and he has quite a specific practicing sort of regime. And so one of them is to literally run the pentatonic scale. Right? <laughs> I literally run it with alternated picking like that. But the other thing he did, which I thought, well, that's quite an interesting idea. Often what I think holds people back from maybe pushing forward pace-wise is they really look and look like they feel like the way they sound. Yeah. You listen to a wild guitar solo, as Steve Vai once said, you know, the art of rock guitar is making it sound like it's on bordering on the edge of being out of control when it's in control. Yeah. And you look at some people and you think they they look like they're really intensely into it. Every muscle is clenched. Every, you know, there's angry sounds coming out of the guitar. The man must be <laughs> But the reality is if you do that and tighten every muscle, that's the worst way to gain pace. Yeah. I bet if you ask any Olympian who's quick at something, which they must be, they would probably tell you exactly the same thing. And this is the thing is actually once you get into it, don't hold your breath. Don't tense up. Try and remain 
calm. And one thing that this Kilo chap was, was advocating, and I've seen similar things as well, I, th- I think... Um, I think I'm right in saying that Rick Graham did a very similar video on this, was he would start just not actually, you can get, not fretting a note. Yeah, that's that the Id- me sometimes. Yeah. Ah, interesting. And the idea being that we want to see not how hard we can grip this thing, not how many frets we can rip through, how many fret dresses we need in six months, yeah, but how lightly can we hold on to a note? Now, obviously, if you're a guy who likes a high action, you're going to have to put a bit more effort into holding notes down. If you're a guy who likes heavy strings, gauge 11s and up, you may well find if you're using regular tuning that you're you're going to have to put in more effort. But even so, if you I like me, and like most guitar players, you want an action that's friendly and low, and you're probably going to stick with 9s and 10s in concert pitch. Yeah. And only go to the other stuff when you're looking to play slide or looking for different tunings. So actually learning how little pressure you need to hold that note down. The difference for me between holding the note down firmly and not at all is a very gentle press. Because remember, when you've got muscles clenched to hold these notes down, because maybe you're running heavy strings and an action that, that makes Stevie Ray Vaughan's action look incredibly light. Yes. Which I realise why people do it for tonal reasons. Certain guitar sounds do, I guess, benefit from a high action and big strings. But especially if you're using a kind of fluid rock tone like I've got here, there's probably not enough in it to worry about. And it's yeah. probably more of a maintaining a comfortable tension. If you think that all strings are equal, have a look at Rick Beato's video where he tests all different gauges. And actually Rex Scholl, who's one of the guitarists who spent quite a lot of time on Rick's channel, actually moved from 10s to 9s. Hmm because he felt they were more balanced, because the tens were churning out more bass. And actually how close... Billy some Gibbons went down to sevens? Six, sevens and sixes even, I think. Sixes? Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, if you want if you want more bottom end, heavier strings will do it. If you want less bottom end, lighter strings will do it. And right. sometimes with some of the gauges, they're much closer tonally than you might imagine. I mean, I believe it was the reason Billy Gibbons, I think, went down. I'm sure he talked to B.B. King, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it was B.B. King. And B.B. King said, why are you working so hard? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, I just want the tone. And he was using, like, eights. B.B. King's, like, bending on eights, and he's doing these sweet-sounding bends on, on the Lucille yeah. Gibson on eights with a 24 and three-quarter inch scale length. So the strings are going to naturally be a little floppier than they are on a Fender. Yeah. So don't always believe the hype. There may be elements of truth in it, but do your own research. If you don't believe me, there's a guy on here who you can search up on YouTube, and he's this country player who's done all these different... I think he's quite renowned in the country circles. Done all these tests on a telecaster. He plays a Tom Anderson with Seymour Duncans. Oh, yeah. Nice. 
And he actually got the Seymour Duncan pickup off his Anderson and the bridge and the tuning pegs. And he stretched his strings across two benches, measured very, very carefully and measured the pickup height very carefully to see how much difference it would sound because people talking about how all the wood makes a difference and all this. And he plays you the two clips. Oh, don't just, yeah. And you'd struggle to tell the difference. It's like that concrete guitar and stuff, isn't it? Where yeah. it sounded pretty good. It's, it's, the, th- it's yeah. the thing. I'm not all saying. All food for thought. <laughs> it is all food for thought. We'll leave it there because it could spawn a whole bunch of arguments. But yeah, I would start with these fairly pen- basic pentatonic ideas. If you look at the Guthrie Govan Creative Guitar Book 1, it has this sort of thing in it. Yeah, moving towards the more Eric Johnson stuff is moving towards a more complex. Mm kind of thing where we're having to hone in on our picking but just the act of being patient with your picking work with a set amount of timing you know like a metronome or something like that that can keep you in time and go up the strings up the scale you may find it quite beneficial as well to keep things even yeah. in terms of pick strokes double up on your highest and lowest note so you, oh, yes. you can start on your low note with just one, but once you come to turn it around, yeah. the reason it sometimes is, feels easier with three notes a string, I think it's simply down to the fact that three notes just seems to stretch it out a bit longer. You don't switch strings as quick. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Although the patterns are tougher, you don't switch strings nearly as quick. And you can keep things going. You know, you think, if I want, say, on three strings, I want one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve notes. Yeah. If I want twelve notes with the pentatonic... Trying to get those yeah. to kind of flourish and go way. through in the same way. Yeah, where's yeah. yeah, you yeah, get yeah, that get blasting hundreds of thousands kind of thing. And you can replicate that throughout the major and minor patterns. Kind of So you've got a very even thing with the pick. And this is part of it, I think, is getting to the point where your picking hand is as automatic as anything else. You know, our other hand has been moving around since the day we discovered air guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And since we've got a guitar, it's been playing things. Whether it's on one string, two strings, all strings, whatever. Our picking hand has sort of been left to its own devices. Yeah. So it's a bit like looking at a dog that's trained versus a dog that's fed its pedigree chum and told loosely to get on with it and yeah. do whatever. Yeah. You can tell which one's going to be probably better behaved. Yeah. Now your hands are no different. Yeah. Dogs. Bit of training. Yeah. yeah. So one's had all the training. It's got to pull all the cord shapes and the scale shapes. and Whereas this has just been sort of like, oh, pick that string. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. And, and sort of loosely been learning on the job. No, it's all great. Really? All great, all great advice. Loads loads to think and mull over over these 
last few lessons. Thank you so much. No problem. Pleasure. I hope you all guys out there get something out of that. And don't forget, get yourself on True Fire if you can buy it through our show notes. Make sure you do. That's yeah. Great. That'd be great. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Stay tuned for more episodes, jams, improvisation ideas and well-informed thoughts about amps, pedals and guitar tone. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a review on iTunes, find us on SoundCloud or see our website on tunein-toneup.com. Here you'll find show notes, tabs and further research and resources. It's also a good place to get in touch. We hope you're finding these lessons as interesting and as useful as I do and if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. Yeah.